0: welcome to the life is wondrous podcast this is a brand new show for curious parents out there who want to explore pathways to greater potential both within themselves and within their children it is episode number two and we could not be more excited to have Ginny urich Ginny's based out in michigan in the u.s she's a homeschooling mother of five she is a published author or about to be she's the founder of 1000 hours outside an amazing movement doing great things all over the world uh, she has a master following of 70,000 Instagram followers and counting. And uh, she's here to teach us some things. Welcome to the Life is Wondrous podcast. Today on the show, our very second episode, we have Ginny Urich. Uh, Ginny is uh, an author she's a speaker she's a mother extraordinaire she's doing wonderful things in the world of well-being uh, for children all around the world. she has an incredible movement I would call it uh, Ginny you can correct me if I'm wrong but a thousand hours outside um, which I think you know I'm personally I'm really excited uh, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on because I think what you're doing is, amazing you're affecting you know children and families all over the world and i feel like your movement is growing daily so thank you for uh thank you for being on the show
1: wow well thank you for having me i'm just truly honored i am not mother extraordinaire we're just mother ordinary <laughs> over here in michigan so but i really i um, am thankful to be here thanks for having me on
0: pleasure pleasure so, so you kind of just answered my first question, which is, you know, where are you in the world? Tell me, you know, we've got, we're going to have a lot of Australian audiences. We're going to have some, you know, in the UK, probably some in the US as well. Whereabouts uh, are you in the world? Tell me a bit uh, about your patch.
1: Sure. So we are in Michigan, um, which is the state. I never know if um, other countries are familiar with all of the states. Um, are they? I, I'd say you know, yes and no. There's, a, there's a lot of them. Kind that, of, you know, they know that there's 50 of them. That's right. Um, so our our state is the one that's shaped like a hand, um, and it is surrounded um, by water, um, these great lakes uh, on several sides. And then there's an upper peninsula, which is truly a peninsula in our state. It's actually a far drive for us. So um, it's a really pretty state. We are headed into the fall here, so we're on the other side of the world as you Um, just ended up with a beautiful summer and thankful for it because of coronavirus and sort of um, the challenges that that has brought. So we've had, you know, a beautiful outside summer and we're heading into the fall. Um, We live actually on a small farm, but that is a new thing for us. Uh, We moved here last year. And before that, we were just sort of in the suburbs, um, neighborhoods, and um but farming runs in my family so we always sort of had a draw to it so we're not on anything big it's like a hobby farm but that's been a really neat learning experience um over the last year
0: amazing amazing and tell me a little bit about I suppose family life for you so I know that you have a few children how many children do you have and what is you know what is kind of that um you know your, your your day kind of look like at the moment i've been seeing some beautiful imagery from from coming from your instagram you know you've got thousands of followers and and we're one of them and um i've been seeing some amazing shots come through over what must have been your summer and i was kind of pining for those days myself being our winter down here but tell me a little bit about you guys
1: it's about to flip flop, right? You're coming yeah. into the good, the good months. Yeah, um, right. We have five kids, and they are um, ages 12 to 4. And um, the older four are really close in age, and then there's a little, little bit more of a gap between the fourth and the fifth one. Um, what a! Uh, I'm so encouraged that you like my photos, because <laughs> actually, photography is something I don't feel super comfortable with, but um, I've been trying to branch out a little bit. And uh, we just do like the most normal adventures. Occasionally we venture out um, and have gone to other states that maybe have waterfalls or things, but mostly, you know, nature engages us, you know, no matter where we are. And um, Scott Sampson has a book called How to Raise the Wild Child, and he talks about you know, like a backyard can be wild enough for a kid. Or yeah. um, he says, you know, nature shoots up through the cracks in the sidewalk and it's the truth. So we're um, just sort of mostly snagging photos around our state of Michigan. Um, and then occasionally if we venture, but we haven't really gone many places this year as I would imagine is similar for most families.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I guess... As far as lockdown goes, you know, you guys are obviously, you know, you guys are in a good place, so it seems, you know, you got a lot of space around you and um, tell me a little bit about that. Like, tell me a little bit. Let's kind of try and kind of open this up with a little bit around your story which I'm sure intersects with the thousand hours outside and and how that all started. And perhaps it it crosses over with the fact that you guys have obviously recently made that move, you know, last year. Tell me a little bit about the inception. How did a thousand hours outside begin and, 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 you know, how did that kind of transpire for you guys?
1: You know, it's really just um, the story of our journey. Sometimes people ask, you know, how, how many people do we have on staff, you know, these different questions. But um, it's a it's a personal account the 1000 hours outside. And we have turned it into a small business um, to model for our kids and let them sort of be involved. And um, that's something we're sort of passionate about is letting kids be involved in adult work. But um, we're just sort of sharing our life and what has um, transformed our life people have come before me and shared their lives and it has, you know, changed our world. So, um, when our kids were small, uh, they were three, two and a baby really close in age. I was drowning as a mom, uh, very, um, depressed, um, overwhelmed, maybe would be a better word. Mm. Maybe all of the words, mm. um, I felt like there were too many needs for me as one person. And my husband had a long commute to work and he'd be gone for 10 hours and he traveled for work and things like that. And I just felt like I couldn't keep up. And I think that's a common thought for parents mm-hmm. um, because we're very isolated a lot of times. We don't live in community. And um, I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but in America, there's this, a pressure to enroll in programs as soon as kids are really young it's like you're trying to keep up with um the joneses in terms Mm of their skill sets and their their opportunities and it's like you're building a resume for them already when they're two and three and four and are they in the soccer program and the ballet and the music and the swim lessons and the library programs and so that's how we were doing childhood for a while was in these kind of small segments that were really hard to manage and a friend of mine These are just like the random things of life, you know. A friend of mine had read about Charlotte Mason. Have you heard of Charlotte Mason? No. So she has a whole set of volumes of works. She was, um, she's passed, you know, she's uh, from the 19, like right around the 1900s. And in her volumes of work, which are about sort of education and children and family, she um, says that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day. On every tolerable day. So she gives that little bit of an out. Um, I never heard of her or of that. And the friend that suggested it to me um, caught me off guard. You know, I thought it was actually an absurd idea. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen anybody else doing that. And it's very out of the norm for how we do childhood. Um, But, you know, like you want to have friends. So I supported it. And I remember the day that we tried it for the first time. So this is the turning point in my story. It was actually in the fall of 2011. So almost coming up on a decade. And I had this three-year-old and this one-year-old and a baby and we met at the park from nine to one. And we brought picnic blankets and lunch. And I really didn't know what would happen. You know, I thought, well, this seems ridiculous. What are the kids gonna do for four hours? um i had all these doubts and then it turned out to be the best day of my life because it gave me a renewed hope um for my path as a mother and for a path as a family because the kids just played they Mm -hmm. played the whole time they ran after squirrels and they jumped off stumps and there was a little creek bed that came through and they threw rocks and they came and had lunch and we each had you know a babe in arms and we held our babies and had discussion and um, I thought, wow, you know, I can do this, and so because it went so well, we started to schedule in those days a couple times a week, and that's how we that's how we did early childhood. We stopped with the programs, and f- at the beginning, it was just for my own emotional health, for hmm. my own sanity. It was a way to pass the time, but I noticed very quickly that our kids were thriving, and I hmm. think parents do notice that right off the bat, that when you give kids that freedom, um, it it helps with their entire development of their whole being. Um, But I didn't know any science behind it. We just did it for a while um, and never ran into other kids. And when I say never, I mean, I mean, never, you know, we're in sort of a populated area, metro Detroit area, which uh, won't ring any bells for your Australian audience, but um, it's a populated area. it's suburban and mm. um, you know we didn't see kids. So that was sort of my foray into nature immersion and the power of it. I started the blog um, a couple years later. Um, in the in the reason for1,000 hours outside, I just added up the hours that we were spending outside. I'm a math major. <laughs> nice. I was just kind of intrigued. Um, So we were outside about 18 to 20 hours a week with this little group of friends, not every day, but on a weekly basis. And it was um, 1,200 hours a year, which is the exact same amount of time that kids are on screens. Wow! And so it opened my mind because I thought not that screens are necessarily evil, but that kids are missing out. On so many experiences, I thought through the year mm. that 1,200 hours of how many experiences and how many uh, giggles and how many um, discoveries happen in those 1,200 hours, and thought, well, my kids would be losing all of this mm. to virtual, and mm. um, so I so I went with 1,000 hours outside because it's catchier yeah. um,
0: than
1: 1,200 hours <laughs> outside, uh, and it's a little a little more leeway, but. The premise is that the amount of time kids spend outside actually matters, and that that's good news. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually not, um, you know, an extra burden because when we go outside, we get to slow down. Yeah. And yet we're gaining more.
0: Yeah. Everybody wins. So I think,
1: yes, I think on the surface, it sort of seems like oh, another thing. But really, it becomes the thing. It's a foundation, and yeah. then all of the other things um, come easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so here
1: I am. So here we are now on a podcast,
0: <laughs>
1: almost a decade later.
0: Yeah, well, well done. You know, I mean, it's crazy how kind of that. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, one, one thought, or or one, you know, sentence from a friend, or you know, one small thing can kind of can grow and take root and turn into something much bigger. And, you know, I, I think um, it's that, you know, you, you talk about it kind of being, it's not, it's not just an activity. It's, it's more a lifestyle is what you're kind of saying, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that we tend to um, have these childhoods that are adult directed You know, we we know a lot, Mm. we've been around a lot longer Mm. and yet children have so much to bring to the table. Mm. They know where they're at in their stage of development. You know, I always like to say, you know, if you have a two year old, right? It's like, we we could never have taught them to crawl Mm. or to Mm. walk, Mm. they do it on their own timetable and you create these environments and you encourage, but they know. Yeah. They know what they need to do to do next and they know how many times they need to practice. Yeah. And then they learn for mastery. Yeah. You know, children they pick up on language and they pick up um and all of these skills and they master them and then they move on to something harder. So, you know, it's sort of about valuing, I like to say the curriculum of the child, mm. um instead of us, you know, filling all of the time in for them.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm so excited about this chat. I really am because I've there's so many, you know, I know that I've seen the stuff that you've been putting out and, you know, some of the really interesting studies around, you know, mental development and well-being and physical development. And, you know, so I, I kind of want to delve into all of that. Um, but I guess, you know, maybe to start with, you touched on the whole you know, you said roughly 1200 hours was the amount of time that a, an average child will spend on a screen per per year. You know, it's a staggering amount of time. And, and I think we all get it as parents. Like, I know there's probably some just some supernatural parents out there who just don't use screens and like, you know, well done to you, you know, but I mean, look, you know, I've got, you know, we've got a six year old, we've got a two year old and and we have screens and, you know, we try to limit screens because, you know, that's, that's a good thing, obviously, but I don't know, tell me a little bit about, you know, your research into that in terms of what you've discovered around some of the profound kind of findings around, you know, what screen time, you know, I suppose that the negatives of too much screen time.
1: Sure. And then you had talked about a little bit how we structure our life. And I think that would fit in a little bit here as well. So Scott Sampson, I think I said his book earlier, How to Raise a Wild Child. Um, he has this research study in there that says, and now this is the average American kid, gets four to seven minutes of outside play a day, um, wow. but four to seven hours on screens. And so it really is just this imbalance. Obviously there are Um, There's some mixed studies out there in terms of, you know, is this affecting the gray matter in the brain, Mm -hmm. Um, but what the occupational therapists are saying, and they're the ones who are on the front lines, you know, we only know our own kids. We, mm. we can't see this pattern, you know, mm. of decades. Teachers can. And these occupational therapists can say, well, 10 years ago, you know, we weren't seeing kids who are falling out of their chairs, or we mm. weren't seeing kids who can't stand having wind on their face, you know. Mm. And so when you, when you read the research from what they're saying, you know, the kids are, um, they're struggling, you know, mm. in, in many senses. And these Um, services that parents need to get for occupational therapy you know the wait lists are a year long and Mm -hmm. um, and so the kids are presenting with problems it it really is showing up Um, you know and then there are definitely studies that talk about you know video games and the addiction the addictive quality obviously pornography is an issue Um, Mm You know, kids are being exposed on average at the age of nine. It's crazy. It's because screens are available. And so um, you know, the biggest thing I think, and Richard Lou says um, in his book, The Last Child in the Woods, he says, N- screens um, steal time, but nature amplifies time. And I think <laughs> that's kind of wow. it in a nutshell, which is that we're, we're losing a childhood you know, when it's that excessive. And so we have screens too, I, um, I'm with you. I'm like, I've thought about what if we were a screen-free family, but we're not. Um, but we, we limit it in terms of um, when we offer it. Mm-hmm. So I can be a yes mom, you know. So if we offer screens on Saturday mornings until 10, or we offer um, Friday night, everybody gets to pick a cartoon. Yeah. Then when the kids ask about screens, we can say yes, yes mm-hmm. on Friday. you know, or yes, on Saturday morning. And um, my hope is that we really fill our life with richness. And what happens when we shoot for this 1000 hours outside, or we say, we're going to value being outside for four to six hours today, we run out of time for screens. Mm. And those are the best days. It's time for bed. We just didn't have time for it. Our life was filled. Yeah. So that's sort of how we structure our life. It's a little different. We we kind of structure our life around the weather. Yep. Um, which people probably did, you know, a hundred mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, you stay inside the days when it's you know storming, and we, so we look ahead at the count. It's weird. Yeah. You know, these are yeah. going to be good days. These are the days we're going to hike. These are the days we're going to go for a bike ride, and we, and then we um, fit, you know, fit the screen time in to these little pockets.
0: I love, um, sorry to interrupt. I I love that idea uh, because you talk about basically something about, you know, screen steal time, outside amplifies time. Like that's so true, right? Like we all know that's what happens. Like you can be, I remember even as a kid, you know, I played copious amounts of video games as a kid, way too many. It was just like, you know, I'd be a whole day, could pass and you're playing view you haven't you haven't left that screen you know and it it does like it it goes like that when you're when you're in front of that screen it literally steals time and that's not to say oh screens are evil it's just it's it's an interesting observation to say that's literally what happens and and being outside amplifies it and i kind of want to you know you touched on it but it's something that you have written in your kind of byline on your instagram page which is you say reclaiming childhood you know Tell me a little bit about that idea.
1: Well, I think it's just getting stolen. You know, kids are growing up really fast. They're not playing like they used to. And ours, you know, we're in a, we're in an interesting situation because, you know, we started this when our oldest was three and now he's 12, um, but it still works. And I think that's such a cool message. I remember being at that park, Um, So that I talked about the very beginning, the first day that we went to that park and we were there for four hours and there was a creek bed that ran through and I remember one day that we were there and there was these kids that were 11 or 12, I had asked how old they were and they were running through the creek bed and they had um, these like special gloves and these little nets and they were catching um, crawfish or crawdads, people call them different, crayfish, they were catching them and taking them home for dinner. And i thought well how cool like some parent um had enough trust in these boys to let them go and Mm. had invested in the little equipment the gloves whatever special things they needed and it it gave me hope like this is going to work for the long haul Mm. and and so you know at 12 sort of on the precipice of teenage years you know our kids still play freeze tag Mm. and um you know they still write stories and they still create and um you know they've had this full childhood and you know i always say i've never met someone who says wow childhood lasted a long time
0: Hmm. never
1: a a parent you know you meet these grandparents and they say it it was it went in a flash you know and i've not met one and we all have that same experience that childhood um at the beginning I think feels very expansive when they're two and three and then all of a sudden they're in school and all of a sudden you're looking back
0: Hmm. and you're
1: saying well we're halfway through or we're three quarters of the way through and um you know the 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 time on screens it just disappears into the wind you know you got 22 minutes I remember like when my kids were little and Before we had sort of figured out what we were going to do with screens, and you know, maybe I'd try and make dinner and I put on a show and it'd be 22 minutes. And you know, the 22 minutes seemed like it was up in a millisecond, yeah. You know, but if you go outside for 22 minutes, a child would have a wealth of experience in that short period of time. So, there's some really good books out there about the disappearance of childhood, and it's sort of a, and, and people were even talking about it back in the 80s and 90s with, with, um, increase in television programs for kids but uh you know this is a way to add fullness
0: Mm. yeah
1: to bring kids back to what they're supposed to do
0: yeah and it's kind of interesting because you referenced right at the start of our conversation something around you know the lines of of you guys kind of including your children now that you know the older ones in some of the the day-to-day activities or the business affairs you know in in some regards and you know and then you talk about a minute ago you talk about you know those those 12 year olds still being engaged in those childhood games or those pla- those play you know moments of play or imagination and that's an awesome thing they're still doing that at 12 yet those same 12 year olds are probably still you know comprehending and 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 tending to You know, what I I find really interesting is, and I don't know if it's being nostalgic and not really being aware of the reality, but you read about, like, you know, 100 years ago when the kids were kind of helping to run the farm by the time they were 12 years old, you know? And that's kind of an interesting, like, you think, you know, would you you have a 10 or a 12-year-old helping to run, you know, these days? Like, mostly that doesn't happen, you know, and you kind of got to think about... um, you know, you're not not that you want to put any weight or, or uh, an unhealthy burden on children, but, you know, they're, they're ca- children are capable, right? Like, it's a kind of an interesting concept.
1: It sure is. They're capable, and I think they want to help and they want to learn, um, especially when they have some freedom. Hmm. You know, they have space and time to delve into their own interests. And nature... Um, Nature has helped our children find specific interests. Um, you know, I have, we have one that's really interested in rocks. He's nine and we have one that's interested in farming and she's um, almost 11. And then our seven-year-old is really interested in botany. She likes flowers. And our oldest one is like a reader and a writer. So when we're outside, he always has his pencils and, and things. Nice. But what what's interesting is that nature kind of meets them where they are and then provides these multidisciplinary learning opportunities you know if you're going to learn about geology because you're interested about it and it's not a school assignment you know well then you you learn all sorts of subjects you learn geography you know mm-hmm. where, where did these rocks come from and you learn you know math and and you learn about the grit if you want to um you know if you want to polish them and you have to change the grit and the how, how does that timing work so you know, I think there's so many benefits, you know, Mm. the, the longer we, um, live our lives this way, the more my eyes are opened. Mm. Um, the list is just so lengthy, how it helps kids in there with their whole being.
0: Yeah. I mean, tell me a little bit about, I guess that like, you know, learning by, uh, practicality you know practical learning and real world learning um, because we, we, we all know intrinsically that that's you know how most of us do really well we, you know that's how most of us learn a lesson right we have to walk we have to walk through something or do something um, and so you know it's interesting because I know there's all sorts of conversation around schools and where you know most western westernized schools are at these days and you know, academia and, and obviously it's, it can be an amazing thing, but you know, it's still, I'm still, there's, you know, I think it's probably better than what it was 20 years ago, but there's still probably schools out there where kids are kind of sitting in their chair, like six hours of the day, you know, what, you know, what have you found out around that, uh, you know, real world learning and, and just, just being out and, and present and doing
1: That's an interesting question. I mean, I would look at our current academic model and, and think that overall, not in every circumstance, but that we have it a little backwards. Um, Carla Hannaford is also an occupational therapist and she wrote a book called Smart Moves. Why learning is not all in your head and it's all about how movement and learning are intrinsically related and so she talks about so many things in the book but but one of the concepts is that as we increase the complexity of our movements our brain is enhanced so you know little little babies they go from sitting you know to crawling they're on all fours and then they pull up and then they walk and then we kind of stop paying attention but if you follow the a child's movement you know, through childhood and, and into adolescence, if they're given the time and the space, they try more complex things. They try and climb the fence and then they try and climb the fence and jump from the top one down, you know, and then they try and climb the tree and and they're and then maybe they do something specialized. Like maybe they take up skateboarding or they do bike riding tricks, you know, they learn to swim or fly a kite or fish, you know, all of these things, you know, casting a fishing pole is a complex movement. So. She has this stat that says, um, elderly people who dance regularly. So complex movements, elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing dementia.
0: Um, And
1: then if they play a musical instrument, it's 69% less. So there you go. You're in a good spot. But, um, (laughs) You know, this whole this whole thought of, well, we want enhanced brains. We want brains that function well. We don't need to be stuffed with information. We need to be creative. We need to be flexible. Well, what gets us there is nature play and mm-hmm. nature time. And so, you know, we have this educational model of sitting. Mm-hmm. I think most people equate learning with sitting. Um, but, you know, beyond beyond even these multidisciplinary learning opportunities, You know that kids can learn about geography through anything or they can learn about you know um they can learn science lessons through anything beyond that um you know there's this piece of setting our kids up for lifelong success because they love learning because they're creative because they can get get along with other kids um you know and so i tend to think that should be included yeah. you know, in the educational model.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's an interesting one, you know, because I feel like a lot of people are feeling that same way and 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 probably a lot of teachers too, you know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I You know, I have a couple of teachers in my family, but I I, I, I I would assume that this isn't, you know, something that... This isn't a fringe movement, I don't think, you know. There's a lot of people who are really kind of aware of this. Like, you know, and I... I, me personally, like for, for work, I work on my computer most of the time, unless I'm out filming or I'm, you know, record, you know, doing some music or whatever I'm doing. Most of the time I'm back at the desk, you know, I'm in front of my computer and, you know, it's, it's, we just know it's not good. Like it's, it's just, we're not meant to just sit here on this seat for six hours of the day. You know, it's just, it's, it feels wrong and pretty soon, you know, physically and mentally you're going to suffer.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the things that, um, so I had a, we did a Facebook live tonight with Angela Hanscom, and she wrote Balanced and Barefoot. Um, And the subtitle is something like how unrestricted play, you know, makes for healthy and confident children for life. It's something like that. You know, she talks so much Mm. about, and everybody does, all these studies, that the, the benefits are lifelong. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that she talks about is, and and this other occupational therapist as well, is that when the body is out of an upright position, when in especially the head and you're turning your brain, that it activates different parts of the brain. And so, and these different senses, like the vestibular sense. Which that's a whole separate conversation. I hadn't I didn't learn about that till a couple of years ago, but it's like this cornerstone sense of knowing where our body is in space and mm. then it helps us with all the other senses. It helps us to assimilate all the other senses. And so if that vestibular sense has not been fully developed, it affects all the other learning. So so wow. this has to do with um it's activated, this vestibular sense is activated when our brain is out of an upright position. So you think about what do children do? Well, they somersault and they cartwheel mm. and they swing and they throw their head back and they roll down the hill. This is all natural for them. Mm. And um, you know, well, when are they when are they seated in an upright position? Well, at school and yeah. in front of the screens. Yeah. So it's just interesting to learn about how those things stimulate brain development and enhance cognitive ability. Um, but it's immeasurable. And I kind of think that is what the problem is. You know, we want to have these markers. We want to be able to say, check, check, check. You know, Mm. we did the first grade things, check. We did the second grade things. And these are things that we can't measure. And so, um, they're getting left off the list.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's so many, uh, there's a lot of research in this area now. And there's a lot of studies being done, which is fantastic. I, I read one. Uh, you know, kind of sentence from, from your page, actually, which was a, a study of more than 500 Canadian children, the, the ones who spent an extra hour in gym class did notably better in their exams than the ones who didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's such a simplicity in play that we write it off. It's so simple. When I was talking to Angela earlier, um, she was talking about someone had written in this question about, you know, well, my kid goes outside for four minutes in the backyard and then they get bored and they come back in. So Angela said, well, we'll put some different elements out there. Go, Mm. go, go to the Goodwill store and get some sheets Mm. and and put out some shears and have some tires and some planks and, you know, some little wood circles and chalk. And, Mm. you know, I was thinking in my mind, these are such simple, easy things. They're cheap. Yeah. you know and she says they're gonna make a teepee they're gonna yeah. make a cape you know and they're gonna create so i wonder if as adults we look at it and we think this is so simple it can't possibly be what they need they must need language class you know yeah. they must need you know this adult instruction yeah and i think we've just well intentional you know we've ha- been well intentioned um but we're, we're getting it a little backwards
0: yeah yeah hundred percent i I mean, just that idea of, you know, kind of pushing through, like that moment of pushing through the boredom almost or pushing through that moment of, oh, I'm going to go in and turn on the TV now or, you know, there's something I I think really powerful about that. Um, And, you know, we're really interested, you know, in imagination and creativity and that's something that we really want to kind of instill Um, and you know, I had a friend a while ago before we had kids, myself and Alice, my wife, we, we didn't have kids. And, and I remember the friend telling me they had three girls and he was like, when we go for a road trip, um, I just, I just make the girls <laughs> be bored. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just make them just look out the window. And when they start complaining, I just say, no, you just have to, you just have to be bored. You have to learn to be bored. And I, it kind of like that always s- has stayed with me, that idea of learning to be bored and that that is actually a skill set that is really, I think, in today's world more than ever, probably getting lost. And and what's really disturbing about that is that when that gets lost, not just in children but adults, then like that that boredom is like, that's the bridge between nothing and something great you know creativity imagination a new idea and you know some amazing things but that boredom is the bridge right
1: Mm-hmm. and kids lives are so filled that they're not experiencing that i i agree with you there i think what go, and when something that goes in tandem and i don't remember the exact quote but um there's this educator named john taylor gatto he passed last year he was an educator in new york here yeah and one teacher of the year, but really talked a lot about the flaws in the educational model. And one of the things he talked about um, was learning to enjoy your own company, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that goes right along with boredom. You know, yeah. are we okay with ourselves? Are we okay to be with ourselves and yeah. think our own thoughts and um, enjoy, you know, the, the person that we are.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Right. I mean that, and especially is. As- you know, kids grow older and grow in adolescence and teenage years like that becomes really important.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: that whole idea of like being okay with yourself and, and you know, I kind of feel like um, the children that are okay with themselves, and I don't know if it's a, a black and white thing, but I mean, it, it extends to adults as well, but being okay with yourself can potentially save you from a lot of bad situations that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise gotten yourself into.
1: Right. A lot of poor decisions. Yeah. That you make because you're uncomfortable with being alone or, or having downtime or, or those types of things. There's, it just is really an interesting, you know, like I said, at the very beginning, you know, our foray into nature time was just for myself to keep my sanity. (laughs) Um, One of the things that, um, I I learned I don't know within the past couple of years, and I can't remember where I read it, but um, it said the number one predictor. This is like such a big statement, and I so I have to find where I read it. So you take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> sure. it said the number one it said the number one predictor of success in life is how well we get along with other people. <laughs> wow. And and you know whether it's true or not true, you know a hundred percent or or whatever there's a lot of truth to it and so the whole the whole um experience of play for children peter gray has a book about play and and he talks about how kids are intrinsically motivated um to compromise because they want to keep playing so they're learning these um extremely deep skill sets when they play with other kids they're learning to exert themselves but not over exert you know and they're learning to compromise and to create something out of nothing i always think about well how amazing you know if they can take those skills into adulthood they translate into every workplace yeah. you know to be able to assert yourself to be able to find your own voice um but then also to know when to back off Those are, those are soft skills, you know, those aren't things you can be tested on, but they're equally as important.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, I've spent a little bit of time in the kind of, you know, the business world and working for bigger companies in the last few years alone. And uh, I, I think a couple of people that I've really respected have said a similar thing along the lines of like, actually one, one of the best things that you can have as an employee these days is actually just emotional intelligence. You know,
1: do you know, one of the books says emotional, I can't remember which one, it's probably one of the ones I said, the sentence is emotional intelligence cannot be rushed.
0: Hmm. It's Interesting. just
1: one I might be. in, there's a book called Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne. It might be in there. Um, and I thought that's such a huge statement. Like we really are rushing kids these days. We're hmm. shuttling them in general from one thing to the next to fill the time in a well-intentioned pursuit of adulthood. Yeah. But we're missing these soft skills that are also extremely important.
0: Yeah, interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, I wonder, I don't know, it's probably it's, it's probably almost definitely a conversation for another time. But I'm kind of, you know, you talked about that whole idea of like there almost being a, a pressure in society, in Western society at least, to kind of almost keep up with the Joneses. You know, there's definitely that. That exists here, you know, it exists, in, I'm sure, in the UK and other places. And like, oh, well, they're doing these lessons or they're doing this soccer or they're doing this or they're doing this or all these friends are doing this. All our friends are doing that. So, you know... But it's kind of interesting, like, um, yeah, I, I don't know, not, not that, you know, you don't want to make some weird black and white judgment, you know, on either one, but I'd just be curious to see, like, what the benefits of both those paths, like the person who chooses potentially, you know, to take a, a slightly different path and ch- checking off every kind of skill set year by year. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting thought.
1: Well, I think that is sort of what these occupational therapists are talking about and, and in some of these other books where they talk about suicide rates are on the rise for young people and I mm-hmm. think we're seeing some of the outcomes of too much mm-hmm. um, where we've lost that balance. That's sort of like the mission of 1,000 hours outside is if you build in these times, these downtimes, it's really what you're doing, you're, you're intentionally doing nothing you're saving space for what kids need um that when we do that you know we offer the balance that kids need um in in whatever form it is you know if it's three hours where everybody's sitting around playing board games or out on the back lawn it doesn't really matter what it is it just matters that you save the space for it
0: Mm. yeah it's really a
1: simple message you know i think Um, in the occupational therapists, they, they talk about the same amount of numbers. And in fact, in some cases, a little higher, you know, preschoolers should be playing seven to eight hours a day. And then all the way through adolescence, that high schoolers should get three to four hours of just sort of that downtime, that playtime, ideally outside, but doesn't have to be. Um, and that is, is bringing in what that child has to offer, um, and helping them develop, in more ways than just academically.
0: Yeah. And let me ask this question, and this is kind of, like this is an interesting one, and it's, once again, like everyone is in a different situation, and, and you know, if someone wants to own their own, uh, own, their own home, say here where I, I live on East Coast Australia, you know, that, that, ta- that takes a lot of money to do that, and it takes, you know, hard work, and, you know, it's very difficult, and a lot of the time, you know, you have dual parents, both working, Uh, to pay the bills you know what have have you yourself you know was that a conversation that that you yourself had to get through at one time or had to have or did you you know what path did you choose was that just chosen for you or was that an intentional thing you know what what's your thoughts on that having that space in your reality
1: sure well I think like you said everyone has a different situation our particular situation is that we were a dual income family um I was a teacher and made the choice to stay home and at the beginning it was a hard choice for us but it but it was a choice um which i i was thankful to have um and i've worked a little bit of part-time things here and there over the years um but not always so it is a question that parents ask a lot which is what about dual income you know um families and that's sort of why i like this I mean, it's so dumb to say that I like this challenge because it's my own. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> this good. journey, whatever. But, <laughs> no, you but should like it's, it. It's, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> it's because it offers um, space, yeah. you know, and it offers flexibility. And, there, you know, right here, and I know in Australia had this recently too, but, you know, there's, there's fires raging here right now in mm. Oregon and
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and people are stuck inside, and I know in Australia, you guys were just dealing with that not that long ago, and, you know, families would say, well, what can I do? I can't go outside, the air quality, and and sort of my thought is, well, life has its seasons, and mm-hmm. um, in, in a figurative sense, and in a literal sense, there are different seasons, and so mm-hmm. we can only do what we can do, we do the best with what we have. And, you know, maybe we advocate at the school that the kids get an hour of recess. You know, some of the schools in our area, the kindergartners get 15 minutes and they get, you know, they get a snack time and it's a working snack. They call it working snack, (laughs) you know, and it's five minutes. So, you know, there's some advocating that we can do uh, in our own educational circumstances. Um, And and we can maybe forego the travel sports teams or, Mm -hmm these things that we feel that we do maybe because we're pressured or we mm. think our kids are going to lose out on opportunities and maybe we camp instead mm. or maybe we go on a family hike every friday evening mm. um i think there are ways to do it and and you know families it, it the 1000 hours outside journey this movement is global mm. and um you know, we see the hashtags. I don't even know that I can't even read the language like so much of the time. But you know, from all sorts of different families, that's that's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It's just about saving space for childhood, in and, and however you can do. And I always say, look, if you can't do a thousand hours, do five hundred, do two fifty. Yeah. A mom, a mom, messaged me one time and she said, um, she had split custody of her son. Yeah. And she calculated that she could do. You know, I was like. Two hundred and twenty-eight hours. I said, "We'll do your two hundred twenty-eight hours. That's yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah. Even fifteen minutes is so many. Um, offers so many real, real life experiences for kids. So, I think life is about you know, sort of the 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 hand you were dealt to a yeah. degree, and yeah. and making the most of it, and and being aware. I think, like I said at the very beginning, this is really a message of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one where where parents should feel guilty or obligated or burdened you know it's like hey you can save a little money you know you can drop the the extra activity and um you can enjoy each other and slow down and and build these sort of foundational pillars of your family there's so many benefits even yeah. that. Yeah. Like the fact that we have these shared family memories that are really strong because when you go outside you're engaging all the senses and so you tend to remember those things better.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Those are the those are the days you remember, right? You remember you remember running along the beach or going for that bushwalk or going for that hike. It's very true. Yeah,
1: and the kids remember it too so it becomes these sort of sustained um family these things that tie you together these bonds that you have that become deep and um you know different than sitting at a sports game or a Mm. sports tournament for the entire weekend not that those things don't have value they do but when they take up the entire time you know we lose out on other things
0: yeah yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm wary of our time. I know where, you know, we've, there's been so many amazing things talked about and, you know, I don't want to hold you for too long. I do want to just quickly kind of talk about, uh, you know, the whole el- area of mental health, um, and being Cause you know, I think we've probably touched on it slightly, but we know that, you know, that's a scary area right now in the world, both for adults and children, but children, you know, the stats around children is scary. And, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds. I mean, you just know intrinsically, you know, you feel better. And, you know, was it Einstein that said, you know, stare deeply into nature and, and everything will get better or something along those lines? You know, what have you learned around, you know, some, 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 you know, studies or research that you've done around mental health and well-being and kind of the effects that outdoors play can have?
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think there are there's so many studies um, that talk about how you know a walk in nature will um, just sort of lower our blood blood pressure. We feel it. Yeah. There's interesting research about um, morning sunlight in particular. Hmm. Um. How sunlight in general um, affects you know a whole bunch of your um, biological systems. Um, and particularly helps with like, um, the melatonin serotonin balance. And so when you get outside in the morning, 20 or 30 minutes, and your eyes are exposed to full spectrum sunlight that resets your body clock and it resets your systems and it, and it helps to release the right amount of serotonin, which is that feel good, you know, along with the right amount of melatonin so that you sleep at night, um, And then obviously good sleep affects so much of how you feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge.
1: So it's huge. There's really, there's so many layers to it. And I like what you said. We all know it. We all feel it, but it just can be so hard to prioritize it. And, and, um, you know, even in our personal situation, you know, we still, I still have my little 1000 hours outside tracking sheet.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm,
1: I'm almost a decade in and I know I've read all of the books that are available. Um, but I still have to remind myself of the worth and I yeah. still have to like, we're part of our school curriculum this year. I made this little handbook and, um, it's not like, Um, nature curriculum that you see normally like nature curriculum is like go study the tree it tells you what to do go study the tree bark you know compare this leaf to that leaf and those things are worthy um but we're missing like just the what do you find when you go adventure what Mm. do you find you know Mm. and so part of our curriculum this year is to make sure we go on a weekly hike no matter and i'm like you know it's wednesday and i already thinking okay like when when am I going to put this in, but I'm going to put it in. Yeah. And if, yeah. and I, if I still have to remind myself after having read all these things and like also having an image to upkeep, <laughs> cause it's, cause it's, cause it's roll. I mean, it's rolled way further than I ever expected. You know, I'm like, um, you know, if I'm having a hard time sometimes, um, getting in, I think it's understandable. People just, they forget. Yeah. I even read that in a book one time. It said people forget how good they feel
0: when yeah. they go outside. Yeah. And yeah. then you
1: go outside and you're like, Oh yeah, I remember. And then you yeah. forget. You know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. um a lot can be said just about personal experience. I think we all have had those times where we've been at the beach, you know, or yeah. we've been in the woods and we smelled the smell the pine trees and we feel better. Yeah. You know, I don't need a research paper to tell, you know, yeah, to help um, solidify that in my mind.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. You know that that is that that the science is catching up to it. You know what what I think humans have have always benefited benefited from. You know, um, and you know that's quite exciting. And you know I think what you guys are doing is super inspiring. Is there anything else you know that you feel like we haven't kind of talked about, you know, something kind of like, I don't know, exciting that you've recently stumbled across or, you know, is there anything that you kind of, you know, or what are you kind of excited about at the moment?
1: That's a really good question. You know, I'm such a day by day person. Um, you know, I've got, I actually have a book coming out next year and it's, um, it's, um, it's nature-based activities, um, for kids. It, like I was asked to do the book um, so it's not necessarily like sort of my first preference it's, but it's open ended nature activities so I think yeah. it will be a cool book but you know when I was in the process they contacted me and then I had to have this phone call, you know, I just, yeah. I'm like just doing the mom thing all day. Right. Yeah. up on this phone call and it's the director of this and the directors <laughs> and they're like, what's your 18 to 24 month of business plan? And I was like, I've got nothing. <laughs> you know, I have no plan, but you know, I do my heart. My message um, is for the parent that is afraid. Mm. The afraid that they're going to mess their child up. Um, mm. You know, And so in fear or, um, sort of out of ignorance, but not like being ignorant, just not knowing, Mm. um, that that childhood passes by and they miss it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, our, our situation is that we have these kids that are thriving and we have, you know, a family that is thriving, not perfect. Mm. Um, with this simple change. Yeah. So um, that's that's always my message. It's just one of hope um, that parents know they can slow down and gain more Yeah. Uh, gains, but be- more benefits that we could than we could ever touch on. Yeah, you know, in yeah. an hour or 10 hours or 20 hours. There's so much there.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I feel like you know we could. Uh, there's so much we could delve into, and and maybe we will, you know, later down the line. Um, but you know, you've definitely inspired us already. We went on a little kind of midweek getaway. We took Noah out of school for a couple of nights and went down to this little secluded kind of place by the beach a couple of weeks ago, and just ran around in the, you know, in the kind of spring air and, you know, that I, I feel like those moments, are, I'm, I'm trying to be more intentional about those moments now more than ever before, you know, because I can they're see
1: worthy. it. They're worthy. Yeah. And I think that's the word, you know, over the last year, the more that I read, I stopped interrupting my kids, you know, if they're in the middle of something that's worthy to them, and I think I have something more worthy, yeah. I've learned to trust what they're doing. And, mm. and we find worth in those things that maybe we don't even understand or seem frivolous. Yeah. Um, but they're really these deep learning um, experiences for them. What, what a treat for your daughter. Yeah. She'll never forget that. You'll yeah. never forget that.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, things was are be- worthy. it was beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing and uh, I love the fact that you don't have a 12 to 24 month business plan. I love, you know, how you roll and, uh, you know, it, it seeps out in all your content and what you're kind of giving out there and what you're doing obviously in your family. So, well done and, uh, you know, everyone needs to get, get out and buy that book. I know that's obviously going to be an awesome seller when it comes out and, um, you know, hope to see you down the line.
1: Yes, I so am thankful to be on your podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to our conversation with Ginny Urich. So much gold in there. So many amazing things to ponder on and uh, think about in the days and months ahead. If you haven't done so, then hit subscribe. We have some amazing conversations coming up with some amazing people. And until next time, stay wonderful.